This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our TGT podcast series. Our show in which we look back at the latest Arsenal fixture with the help of some of our regulars and some irregulars as well. It's good to join you as always. Do make sure if you haven't already to drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the Guna Talk if you haven't done so already. Very happy to be joined by French. How are you doing, fellow? Are you good? Are you well? Yeah, very well, man. Glad to year in positive light and um yeah chatting about some some good vibes and good times man so happy to be here yeah absolutely man it's uh it's greatly appreciated when arsenal can pull off a victory quite like this uh also back by popular demand after he was flooded with tweets who i definitely didn't tell people to do on a stream whatsoever it's true how you doing mate are you well you're muted. That's why we get you on, because you're a professional. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm back, because it took Owen about five seconds to took a pop at me in the chat. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, that's always worth it. Owen's going to be... Owen just does that wherever you go, though. I mean, you just oh, wait until you know. meet him in person. <laughs> I know. I'm going to give him a gigantic hug and then punch him square in the nose. It's fine. Deary me. Deary <laughs> me. We're also making up our panel today, joined by, from the Arsenal Lounge himself, it's Shaheen. How you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm very good, very good, very happy to be here again. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Unfortunately, Lev is indisposed today. Is that right? Uh... <laughs> he's, yeah, he's from what I understand, he's on his way back home, and um, yeah, from so the game right uh, now. Yeah, from the game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so he he uh, he's he was actually telling me that he wants to do something over on our channel after this, so we might do something there. But yeah, man, he's he's uh, he's recovered. Good stuff. Glad to hear. Because he was, uh, yeah, for those, a little glimpse behind the curtain, uh, his messages last night were hilariously... uh, I I predicted it. I called it, Tom, didn't I? I You did. You did. Yeah, absolutely called it. Absolutely indeed. Right, let's uh, crack on with today's show. French, we'll start with you, mate. Give us your raw reactions to last night's game. Um, Well done, Arteta, basically, is is my big takeaway from it. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be happy with, obviously, Martinelli coming and, and shining, stunting. Um, Lacazette picking up the armband and, and putting in a fantastic performance up front. 
um just the young guns just just continuously shining but for me um the the big the big takeaway from it was that obviously the right decision was made uh early in the week with regards to the captaincy because the teams responded in the way that they have um and i think that's really um that's really important you know i saw a couple of funny tweets at half time like oh yeah arteta's clearly lost the dressing room you know um just it when you make such a big decision in terms of stripping, you know, your senior player, someone who, who seemed to be quite well liked by the rest of the team, um, the result really dictates if it was the right call or not, uh, and the performance, obviously, as well. Um, and, you know, it could have been a case of um, the guys kind of just being a bit mismatched, a bit slow, a bit turgid. We've seen it against Everton. We've seen it against Palace. We've seen these kind of clunky performances. Um, but what we saw yesterday was just every player playing out of their skin from the start, you know, pressing all over the pitch, hurrying back. Um, and, and also, and also the other thing for me that, um, that was really big and, and focusing a bit on Martinelli, but still giving huge credit to the manager is, um, is the kind of development we're seeing in some of these young players, you know? Um, I think Martinelli last night was, he really kind of announced himself to a lot of people who maybe had forgotten about him or were bad mouth from him. A lot of people were really talking down on him. Um, after the kind of shaky start to the season, you could say he had and, and a long time out of the team. And people were also saying Arteta's down on him. Arteta doesn't like this guy, you know? Um, this He doesn't fancy him. He he hates Martinelli. You're hearing all these crazy things. And now we see Martinelli come on um, and he's just got a completely new kind of uh, awareness in terms of off-the-ball positioning, in terms of the way he uh, rotates with Tierney when one goes, the other stays. Um, and, and you have to give that credit to the manager because if you if you don't like a player and you don't want to play them, you just, whatever, maybe you just force them out of the team. What's quite clearly happened in my eyes is that he's said, right, there's a obviously a diamond in the rough here. It needs polishing. I don't want to put him out there too early when he's not going to really understand what I want from him. And, you know, we, we've kind of seen it a bit with Foden at City where, where Pep just said, yeah, he's not quite ready for every minute. Um, and everyone's like, oh, why is Pep holding Foden back? And then now we're seeing Foden just shining right and um and there's yes yeah, this is kind of long-term game that Arteta is playing where he's like right I'm not just going to throw him in I'm going to make sure he does what I want him to do and now he looks ready um so yeah I come away from it just happy about the young guns happy about the, the way the whole team kind of stepped up in the wake of quite a disruptive week uh but but really just giving huge credit to the manager who every you know he he does lose us sometimes a lot of us kind of lose a bit of faith in him but he just keeps bringing it back um with examples like these so yeah mm. really happy with that absolutely mate some good points well made drew raw reactions to yesterday's win um french kind of covered most things i think but I think um, french covered literally every existence of yeah Arsenal. i mean yeah. no it's just like, that's that's more than okay french is good with that but I think for me, the takeaway, um, I think for me, the biggest thing across the overall performance, which I thought was excellent, probably one of our best of the season, if not our best of the season, depending on how you want to analyze it. For me, the big thing is it shows that there was the way the front four worked together for me was the standout. Um, And I didn't want to bring this up too early, obviously, but um, it shows that all four players are able to be committed in exactly what Ateta wants. And we assume that's going to be, you know, pressing high up. How many times did, did Martinelli and, and Saka and even Odegaard and Lacazette all press high um, in the defensive third to win back possession? Martinelli in the first half, I think, on three or four occasions by himself alone. Um, and that shows that we're capable of doing that. It just shows that you have to have the players who are um, committed to doing it. 
constantly for 90 minutes or at least until they're subbed off, but also um, that they have to fit the technical and tactical profile of the, of the pieces that you want to use. And I think a lot of people now are saying, well, you know, if Martinelli keeps playing well, what happens to Smith-Rowe? And that's a bad problem to have. Um, I think Smith-Rowe's his versatility means that you can potentially slot him in into three other positions if, if Martinelli's form continues to um, to push on. So, um, yeah, no, I just think for me, the biggest question is, though, everyone's saying, you know, what are we going to do about the strikers? With We assume Lacazette's leaving this summer. We, it's fair also to assume that Enketia is leaving in the summer. Um, but I think Lacazette's performance yesterday and also against Saints, you know, to a large extent shows the type of forward we need moving forward if we're going to go out and buy one in the summer. And I think that answers a lot of questions for a lot of people. Um, apart from that, uh, yeah, there's not much more to say. I, th- I said I think French covered pretty much every topic available. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just it's just happy, um, happy times. But for me, I think it's got to be, a, you know, a moment where people have to sit back and say, well, you know, if we don't perform this way next match, it's not doom and gloom again. I think a lot of the fan base have that that habit of going from very high to very low very quickly, depending on if we win or lose. Um, it's nice to see what yesterday was, but we don't know how sustainable that is just yet because you have to remember we do have a very young squad. I think uh, the average age at 90 minutes when the whistle blew was less under 24 years old. So it shows that there's a bright future ahead, which is fantastic, but it also shows that we might not be at the level just yet where we can expect this week in, week out. We're not there yet. I think the aim, of course, is to be there, you know, another year, two years with the same core group together, mm-hmm. and, we'll, and you'll get there. Um, but I don't think it's fair to demand us to be at this level yet each week. I mean, it just shows where we can be. And where we want to be, but I do think we need. You know, I know a lot of the fans struggle. Maybe some some of us in the, in, in the group as well. You know, when when things go poorly, all of a sudden, you know, we're throwing laptops at windows. But that's um, Andy. That is that's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's. I think we can all be very happy about. I think we saw the almost the, the near perfect example of what Arteta wants us to be. And I think mm. if you look at this roadmap and this blueprint, and then you can you can and should be excited moving forward. And that, for me, is, I think is the biggest takeaway. Absolutely. Shaheen, uh, you've got quite a couple of acts to follow. <laughs> oh. the there's, uh, there's not much else left to cover. But what I will no, say is, that obviously, ahead of the game, Shaheen, that you weren't that confident going into things. No, I wasn't. Um, I, I, we did a show together, obviously, and, and, and I said, I don't expect us to beat West Ham. Um and then, and I'm quite happy that I was proven wrong. You know, it's it's very good. I love to be proven wrong like this all the time. And the only reason I said that we may not beat West Ham is I didn't, and I still don't have confidence in Arteta getting it right. And he got it right. You know, he, he actually got everything right. The team performed well. West Ham were not great. They were not the team that they've been informed for a while. A, a major factor in that was that we played really well. So, mm. you know, I don't want to turn around and say we won because West Ham was not good because that's that's not the case. I thought it was a very good performance. I thought team played well. And and and, and a point that both um, uh, Drew and uh, French said as well. He's new. It was, that, this <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was that the players played and they performed. And I think that is a massive, massive indication that Mikel Arteta probably has not lost the dressing room. And um, there is not a rift behind the scene. 
I would even go as far as saying maybe some of the players agreed with the decision that he's made. Um, Lacazette played really well. Um, Odegaard was okay. I thought we, we I thought we controlled the midfield well. Um, it was a good performance and it was a good result. Uh, it's it's going to be hard for me to to sit down and say Arteta is bad this that the other after a performance like that because I I, I now go game on game uh, on Mikel Arteta and 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 you know what it's going it's not going to be fair or right for me to sit down and criticize yesterday because there was not a lot to criticize there was a mm. lot to praise and and that's exactly what we should do absolutely but sorry can I just say yeah can I just say, there was just there was just a couple of things one. Um, I don't understand why he keeps bringing Enketia on when he's mm. leaving and still no Nicolas Pepe at all. So these are the two things that I thought, I don't understand why he is not bringing Nicolas Pepe at all. And if Enketia clearly said he's leaving, maybe I would bring Pepe instead of him. Mm. I think that, I think Arteta has shown that it's what's going on in the on the training ground is the reason as to why, isn't it? Drew, I mean, you wanted to come in, mate. Go on. I think so did French, so we can rock, paper, scissors real quick if you want. It was a draw, but go on. Fine. What does he mean? Home no. advantage wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, for me, I think it's just strictly down to it's it's got to be something in training at this point it has to be and that's what, and, and you could say that yeah and Ketia does want to leave i think that's been made clear and that's okay but if he's showing that while he's here for the remainder of his deal that he's willing to at least put in or at least make the attempt to put in a shift and he comes to training with the right attitude then he's going to be rewarded for that um i mean i also get what you're saying of course if, if we're not trying to actively sell pepe um and then why are we not trying to work him back into the fold and maybe help him find his feet a little bit more if he's struggling? And I understand that viewpoint as well. So I, you know, I get what you're saying, of course. But I think Arteta, for me, has shown across multiple players now since he's come into the club that if you're not, if you're just not putting in the grade, you know, at Colney, you're not going to be getting minutes on the pitch. And yeah. I'm personally fine with that. Um, mm. But, but also for me, it also shows that maybe Pepe isn't the kind of player we want at the club. And that also is okay. Um, I think the frustration for all of us is the fact that we, we stumped up 70 plus million for him and he's really not even come close to repaying a third of that feedback. And I can understand that frustration. So you kind of say, well, you know, if we have to let him go at any point, we're mm -hmm. going to take a massive hit in terms of what we spent yeah. in terms of what we're going to get back yeah, for him. But sometimes players just don't work. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think it's with sorry, go on. No, no, please, I'm done. No, please, please, please. I, I, I think I feel like it's a bit more simple. I feel like um for me, I, I just tend to assume it's the most simple, like Occam's razor, right? So he doesn't like Pepe, he doesn't rate Pepe, and he does like Inketia. Um yeah. I yeah. think it's really that simple. Like last season, if we remember, Inketia barely played after Christmas, and we all said he should go out on loan. And Arteta personally came out saying he felt super bad about it. It's, he didn't <laughs> not rate Inketia. It's like he just couldn't find room for him, right? And I think there's a bit of a similar thing going on now with, um, A, he doesn't rate Pepe. B, we don't have Europe. There's there's just not a lot of minutes going around. Um, and he, I think he does want Ketia to stay. And, and Ketia did mention the reason he wants to leave is a lack of minutes. And again, we look at the end of last season. So there might be a bit of him saying, look, here's some minutes. And Pepe is like, I don't, I don't really rate you. And I think it's just that simple. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think, Shane? Um... 
I just think one of the uh, one of the reasons that they went for Mikel Arteta when they went for him was that he's really good at improving players and working with them. I mean, Raheem Sterling has always come out and said Mikel Arteta was very influential in, in me re- reaching the, the level of in my career that I have. And I just mm. and I just wondered if he can't get through to Nicolas Pepe or he doesn't want to get through to Nicolas Pepe or Nicolas Pepe, he just got a wrong attitude altogether and, and he's kind of like, you know what, I'm not going to even deal with that. Just sit on the bench and then we'll probably move him on in the summer or so. But um, he, uh, from what I've seen of Nicolas Pepe, there is a play in there and I think maybe he should spend the time to get that play out of him, especially uh, as Drew said, you know, we spent a fair bit of money on him. So there's like with Pepe, it's interesting, right? Um, his his background as a player, I think he was like a goalkeeper until like 18 or 16 or something like that. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a really like, weird stat, but yeah. It's, it's, no, but it is it's relevant, right? Because you learn this is where a lot of your kind of footballing basics come in and the kind of foundations of of um of just the simple right decisions. And you can mm-hmm. see with Pepe all the talent in the world. Uh, but there's just an element of like basic decision making that isn't quite there. And I think, Cheyenne, you're right. I think it's more that he couldn't get through to him rather than he, he obviously made effort. Pepe did get chances. Um, we mm. saw, you know, he had some good runs, of it, but just ultimately just it's not quite clicking. And I think he just thought, right, this isn't working out. My job is ultimately under a lot of pressure. I can't trust this guy. To uh, to give me the performance I want. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think he Arteta knew the pressure was increasing on him. I just don't think that he felt he could rely upon Pepe to deliver consistently for him, and that's why I don't think he's he's put that extra time. I also think Shane, you raised a good point about that he simply couldn't get through to him. Um, I would be utterly unsurprised if he's not here at the end of the summer window um but it is going to be about who can take those wages and who is going to pay the fee that arsenal want and that's an entirely separate discussion well, i think there's um, also real quick i think it's also a bit of the fact mm. that it's not just the fact that arteta maybe feels like he couldn't trust him when results needed to happen it's also the fact that he has x number of players that also have shown that they can play consistently if if, if, yeah. if saka and smith Rowe didn't come on the way they have pepe likely would be getting more chances for you know for better or worse depending on how that however that which way that goes but that's that's the nature of it you know when someone in your position is playing you continue to play them and right now when we need results and we need to keep you know some measure of consistency on our overall level of play you have to go with the hot hands that you see that in any sport so I think it's I think we could all get probably a conglomeration of two, three, four different factors as to why he's just not playing. And yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not the first time a big money transfer won't work out. But unfortunately, it happens to be a massive amount of money in terms of mm. this club. So the biggest money transfer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have to kind of hope maybe we hope for the best. Maybe new cash will come in like idiots and, and drop fifty million on them, and we can say thanks and move on. But yeah, we have no idea. Who, who's going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Imagine who's going to be that club? Someone getting uh, a financial backing on FIFA might might come in for Pepe. Maybe Newcastle. <laughs> who knows? Um, Let's let's bring it back round to the game and some of the really kind of interesting parts of it. Uh, in particular, French was the way we pressed throughout the entire game. In fact, uh, I should still have a graphic uh, available, though I am reluctant to share it because it's meant to be coming up on the Analyzing Arsenal show. But for the benefit of just describing it, uh, in the game away at Everton, we won two duels in the opposition's half. But at home against West Ham, we won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven duels in uh, West Ham's half during that game. And there was a real kind of pressing thought process about the way we were playing. 
it's just now going to be French about if we can sustain the way we played moving forwards. That's the biggest question, isn't it? Yeah, it's a funny one with the press, right? Because we all thought, I think when Arteta first came in, like everyone had this idea that, you know, we were going to we were going to be doing a lot of pressing when he, he spoke about it. And um, and we knew that's, you know, what a lot of, you know, this modern kind of way of playing football is it, integral to, to it. Mm. So so it was assumed it was going to happen from the start and it didn't. And and I've always sort of not really been able to figure out exactly why that's the case. Um, whether it's like a conscious thing from the manager that he said, we're not ready to press all the time yet. We need to just defend well first and then we kind of built up to it. Or if it was something that, you know, the, the players maybe didn't know how to do properly yet. It's a weird one. Um, why didn't we press against Everton? Is it the confidence thing, right? Like we're away from home, um, young team, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. Um so I think Drew makes a good point in terms of I don't know how we how we uh, our expectations of it should be for the future. Like, is it going to be every team, every game? Now we just press like mad. I think we should play that way, but we haven't. So I, I don't know that we will. Um, so it's still a bit baffling to me. Like, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on on why it's something that we seem to employ a great success at times, and we then we just seem to not even try to do it at other times. I'm a bit confused by that myself. But obviously, in this game, that's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, maybe it's a case of like you you measure the amount you press in certain fixtures, like against sides lower down the table, you don't need to press as much, but you still need to maintain that level. But against sides like West Ham, where you're going to have a really uber competitive game and you've got to try and suffocate the opponent as much as possible from being, you know, their, their quality selves, that you press more. Drew, the, the player that pressed uh, amongst plenty of others and obviously got on the score sheet, first of all, Gabriel Martinelli, another brilliant game from him. He was fantastic. And uh, he's really nailed down that starting left spot, has he not? Yeah, I think you have to say on, on form he has. And like I said before, when we first started, I think you, you have to ride with him now until, you know, maybe he shows that he can't be consistent. Um, but it might open another door for another tactical option we haven't really considered moving forward long term. Um, I got into uh, a bit of a debate, well, like a debate amongst our Yama group. No, no. Yama, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amongst, 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 uh, amongst the Yama group chat. We were all saying that, you know, maybe if Martinelli keeps shining in this role, there might be scope to suggest that you could maybe shift Smith Rowe into that mobile eight you're talking mm. about yeah, as a central midfielder, because maybe he has that, that bit of a profile. You could maybe kind of mold him into a, a, a Senti-esque kind of player, which you don't really have. You know, everyone's wondering what we're going to do at center mid, you know, questions about Partey. A lot of people don't like Shaka depending on the system. You might need to change some of your profile in, in sentiment. So maybe you can maybe look at moving Smithrow into that kind of role. Because I don't think it's for Odegaard. I think he needs to be in that 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 ten role and and say what you want about Mesut Ozil, but Odegaard showed a lot of the same decision making when Mesut Ozil was on, on his day. Odegaard did the same thing yesterday. How many times did he pop up on, on the right to create space for others for the late runs through the middle? He was constantly dropping deep, to, dropping deep to link play, and I think that's part and parcel because we don't have a mobile center midfielder in in, in that role, like that like that center role that can do the same thing. So the ten usually has to drop back and kind of offer a bit of support in that role. So maybe you can see that moving forward with Smithrow if Martinelli keeps performing, and that's okay. Again, um, he's a young enough player where you can sort of switch gears in his development quickly and 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 find another role for him and. Um, I mentioned this also on the Yama podcast. A, a good example of a player like that is Florian Wirtz at Bayer Leverkusen, who started as a 10 and a winger, and now he's dropped deep, and now he plays as an 8. Um, 
and he shines in that role when he when he's when he's called to do it. He doesn't always do, it, but when he does, he's phenomenal there. So um, there's an option there, I think. And again, these are good problems to have. If you want to have two and three different potential options, you can look at it every match and every matchup depending on who you're facing, and and and, and kind of really tweak your system based on that. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it, and I think Martinelli should keep starting. I don't think there's a question about that for me. No, I don't think there is. Um, before we move on to questions, Shaheen, just very lastly, and I mean, it is always like Lev, isn't it, to jump into our chat box, uh, the other half of the... Yeah, Arsenal big himself up. That Lev knows his stuff. Yes, that, that's all he does. It's, it's all he's about. Yeah. No, just, we love you just, really, Lev. If, if you don't mind, Tom, course, after mate, this, me and Lev are doing something over in the Arsenal life, mm. if you guys wanted to... Yeah, mate, I'm going to let you plug like crazy into the show. Don't you worry, son. It's going to be able to be done. Don't you worry. Um, in regards to kind of how we played defensively against West Ham, I know it was a very attacking display. But once again, this consistent group of a back five, I know that Tierney and Tavares have swapped out with one another on a number of occasions. But Gabriel and White in particular, I thought were great. You could really see the inter- I don't know if you saw the interview that Tommy Asu did recently, but he spoke about how he doesn't like when Ben White passes to him because he feels like that's not really the way that Arsenal want to play. When he gets a pass from Ben White, it's typically going to put himself under pressure. It's going to be a pressurized pass into a space where the wing is going to be onto him. So what I noticed is, and I kind of watched it more directly, is that I noticed that Gabriel and White their primary goal is either pass to the follow uh, the, the fellow centre back to relieve que- uh, pressure, or pass directly into the midfield. And it does seem to be that we are developing a style with the consistency of a back five that we've kind of lacked over the last half decade plus. That we've not been able to rely upon the same kind of back five week in week out. Do you think there's you know real merit in seeing this move forwards? Hundred uh, percent. I think. Um for in in order for any team to be successful at, at any level whether you want european football whether you want to stay in the league whether you want to win the league you need to have a solid backline and and i think we're on course um to achieving that the, I, I think that the idea of playing now at the back is is, is 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 something they work on and this is something they want to do um sometimes i think they push the boundaries a little bit on that but I think that's what they're trying to do, and and I and I don't mind. I'm quite happy. I think modern day football is 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 going in this direction anyway. But the 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 thing that has impressed me about them most is how they deal with set pieces. We mm. look quite good attacking and defending set pieces, um, and we were not good at this before. We were not under in the Wenger uh, years or, or under Unai Emery. We we didn't look good as solid defensively. There seems to be a bit of structure. I've criticized Mikel Arteta quite a lot in the past. Mm. Uh, I still do, a little bit. but <laughs> a little bit. But you know, getting this this defensive uh, stability is a plus for Arsenal, and, and he has to be given the credit. I know they have a, a set piecing coach that he deals, he, he he trains with them quite a lot on set piece uh, situation. He needs to get a lot of credit as well, and it, 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 all of these things is good. It's just. You see, it gives us a, a platform now to build on because if you've got yeah. a solid back line and, and, and you've got a keeper that you trust, right, and, and they, it gives you a foundation and a platform to build on and then now you go now you work on midfield and then going forward. So it, it's, all, it's all positive. And I just, as I said, I hope they can keep this up. As uh, I think French said earlier, it's about consistency that they can keep this going until mm-hmm. end of the season. There is no point going on a on a run of ten games, putting performances like we did last night, 
but then go and put some silly performances somewhere and then lose stupid games. Yeah. It's all about consistency, and, and that is the key. Yeah, I mean, if the game against Leeds, I, I mean, some people in the trouble saying if the game against Leeds goes ahead, as far as I'm aware, their issues with their squad is nothing to do with positive tests. It's it's literally they have the one of the worst injury hits I've ever seen of a Premier League side. So, by all accounts, it should go ahead because that's not a reason for a game not to. You would just have to replace uh, with youth players and your squad as yeah. plenty of teams in the past have. So, hopefully that it should still go ahead uh, this weekend. But we are, as you say, Shane, going to need to see that play forwards into that game, which becomes even more pressure on Arsenal to win and expectancy of Arsenal to win. Um, we've got 15 more minutes left of the show, so we're going to go into the chat box and your questions. Apologies, it's only a shorter podcast, but I'm very constricted for time today. Um, and because of that, guys, if we can try and keep our answers condensed, then we can get through as many of these as possible. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, Fred uh, Garish in the chat says, how is Arteta going to accommodate Martinelli, Erdogan, Saka and Smith-Rowe? Yeah, I saw that question. I don't really understand it personally. I, well, how do you put them all in the team? We don't have to put... That's the point, right? Is that we don't yeah. have to. That's why I said I don't really get it because you, you want to have a good substitute on your bench for a start. They're, they're yeah. all, what, 22, 23. So they can't play 38 games in a season. No, like, typically, we've always said, especially at a top club, you want to have two very good players for every position, you know? That's not a problem. That's a really good thing. We actually want another one, personally. <laughs> Add another, even better winger, uh, you know, attacking forward like a, a killer, in maybe in their prime rather than a child. And um, I think that's the best situation. You don't want three players for three positions. You want four or five players for three positions. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's magical. It's absolutely amazing that we've got Erdegaard and Smith-Rowe in the same team. And then obviously Saka and Martinez. I mean... Uh, it's this is a really good thing. It's, that's not a. It's a. If it's a problem, it's the best kind of problem you can have. Well, it's Absolutely. no different than Bayern having Kingsley Coman on their bench, is it? And then so it's the same. It's the same premise. So yeah, oh, oh, we're getting exactly. compared to Bayern. Oh, well, no, but, it's, but, but, but the premise is the same. You need quality on the bench because if something's not working, you can't bring bring on you know actual trash. So and especially you, with the kind of sorry to cut you off again, no, but. No. I, I'm completely with you. Like, you need something off the bench. Um, and Bayern is a great example, again, because the way that we try and play football now, it's so high intensity. You know, they're, they're, they're really, uh, like the press, for example, using that as a reference point, you can't press like that 90 minutes every single game. So you need someone to come off the bench who is the same kind of level of quality to continue uh, and keep that kind of intensity throughout the 90 minutes. So this is what the modern game demands. Absolutely. Um, our boy, Mas uh, Messi Raf, Raf in the chat box, uh, he questions, Drew, do you think Aubameyang changes our approach in the transfer window? Do we keep Eddie and retain Balogun or do you think we buy? Mm, I think it's got to be, well, I think for sure, I think they'll try to offload about wherever. The, I don't know where he's going to go. You know, Barca seem to keep, they, they seem to keep sniffing around. They need a forward because of, what happened with Aguero? Um, De Jong didn't work out. You know, Depay at his best isn't really a number nine, so they actually do need a forward. But can they afford his wages? Well, the, the uh, something know. I've been writing about is a possible swap deal with an Osmana Dembele, Drew, yeah. to offset the wages. Which I mean, is... I'd, I'd be happy with that because I think he'd actually suit what Arteta wants to do 
moving forward in the best possible example because it was very similar to how he operated at Dortmund. So I'd be completely mm. fine with that. My issue is Dembele can't stay fit to save his life. So no, he can't. That's the issue for me. It's not about his quality. I think he's an absolute top winger, and I'd be happy if we got him, but I just worry about his fitness. But I think we're going to try to move on, Oba. I think we want to bring Balogun back into the fold, certainly starting next season. I, I, he might get more minutes this season, depending on how it shakes out, because I don't think anyone expected the Oba situation to, to crop up as it did. Um, I do think Arteta is going to want to keep Enketia, whether he will or not. It is not us. I think Enketia, ideally, I think what he's actually saying is, I want to go and be the starter somewhere. He's not going to get that at Arsenal. It's clear we want another forward in the summer. But it's also clear that maybe he would shine at the top championship side or a bottom half Premier League Mate, side. Brighton don't come in again. for him. I don't know what they're doing. I would be baffled like if they flourish. don't because they only have Mopé, right, as their only mm-hmm. striker. So, oh, Danny Welbeck, of course. Yeah, but <laughs> does he exist even? Is he just like a clone? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think... There's a few things we can we could, we could see multiple moves in the same position in in January and certainly in the summer. So, uh, Shaheen Steve Stone says, should Arsenal offer Laka an extension to his contract or simply let him go? Oh, I'm a big fan of Lacazette. I, I I like Lacazette quite a lot. I think he offers us something different. Um, than Aubameyang in terms of holding the ball up, just being physical and mixing it in with defenders but as much as I like him I just think Lacazette is part of an era an Arsenal that that has that have underachieved underperformed and overpaid not necessarily it applies to him but he's been part of that thing and if you we recently whoever we've offered a new contract and, and a big contract and Alexander Lacazette his next contract will need to be a big contract because that's probably his last big pay. Um, the players that we've offered big contracts, it has not worked out. And as I said, as much as I like Lacazette, um, I think we'll move on from that and we'll, we'll go s- sign somebody who, 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 who would fit in more with a plan that is there at Arsenal, who's, who's a bit younger, who's got better value. Um, but if, if we were going to offer him a contract, we would have done it some time ago. The guy can now, in what, in a few weeks' time, he can start negotiating with other clubs. And if he goes somewhere, he will stand to get a lot of money. So he will get a big signing on fee. He will get. Um, he can get. He can. He can demand a, a large salary because there is no transfer fee to pay. So from Lacazette's point of view as well, I think. Uh, and you know what? I don't want. I'm a fan of Lacazette. I don't think he is like this at all. But I would not be surprised with this modern day football that there's recent good performances that he is putting in. He's putting himself in shop window for somebody to come in and offer him that big salary and contract. Yeah, for me, I, if Abamyang leaves and Inketia leaves, I feel like there's scope for a one year extension if we're going to sign a player, but. I just don't think Lacazette would go for a one-year extension. It doesn't give him any assurances. We'd be signing a striker. Balogun's always improving every single year. It wouldn't make any sense for his perspective. I wouldn't be annoyed at Lacazette if he wanted to go. I think it makes sense for his career to move yeah. on. But yeah, it's uh, it's gonna it's a really tricky one for the club to work out. That's for sure. Um, there's been talk about uh, potentially signing a captain figure fit for purpose, French. If it was to be entertained, who would be your choice? Um, a captain figure signing a cap. So I, I, I'm kind of of the view that we overrate the captain thing. 
Um, I think leaders on the pitch will naturally lead and the armband is largely symbolic. So I don't know that. It, I mean, we've already signed a lot of players that have natural leadership. Erdegaard um, fits that mold. He's the captain of his country. Gabriel, obviously young, but has an element of leadership about him. And as said by Smithrow in interviews, obviously Tierney's um, the name on everyone's lips. So, so yeah, exactly. So we've I feel like we've already got quite a lot of natural leaders within the core. Now I just want to get good players that suit what we want to do. I'm not really so fussed about the other side. Um, I just wanted to, to, I know you said not ramble on. Um, I just want to swing back to the, the question from before. Did you guys see Odegaard's face during the, the celebration? Um, yeah, yeah, yes, I did. I, did. Um, I, I don't, I, there's two routes with this. There's the one route that says, uh, I'm fine with that because I want players to be unhappy when those around them are scoring because it will force them to play better and encourage them to try and get back into the team. And the other route is that I just feel like maybe the timing of when that image on the screen came up, it was maybe we missed his genuine celebration after yeah, yeah, yeah. Smith Rowe scored and he just, you know, settled down. I can't imagine he was that angry, really. <laughs> Hashtag narrative, baby. He was fuming. Competition is back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. I love competition between the players. It's fantastic. Um, play Sports says, Drew, Arsenal had to play Brentford despite positive tests. Do you think the league didn't want to postpone the first game, but it's given us a slight disadvantage versus others who have had postponements? I mean, Spurs will now miss their third league game in a row, I think. Yeah, uh, but they, you know. the, how, how, how are Spurs going to come off on that? Don't they play Liverpool in their first game back? Maybe so, if it goes ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they can actually get battered if they've. I mean, you said that you feel like there should be a postponement for two I, weeks. I do think, I think there should be. Um, I think because if you're not, if you're not going to postpone it and cases keep raging, you're looking at something that's longer than a two week break, you're looking at a two month break. So I think. Oh, two month disruption at least. Yeah, yeah. It's, at some point, you've got to draw the line and say, this is now too much. It's, and it's not just because of COVID. COVID issues thin out the squad, puts undue pressure on the players that are left, and that gives you injury issues. And a lot of the squads currently aren't dealing with just COVID. It's also injuries that are cropping up because of them being overworked. Mm. Um, that's the issue then. So I do think at some point you have to nip it in the bud and just say enough is enough. You know, if we don't stop it now, we're going to be in danger of missing out on a large chunk of the season once again. So I think what they're hoping for, and this is just obviously me just completely throwing out a theory, is that they're hoping to get through the Christmas period. I think they'd rather postpone post-Boxing Day. I think they want to get to that point. If they can't, then it's another matter. But um, I don't know if it gave us a disadvantage or an advantage to go ahead and play against Brentford. I don't know if it would have necessarily mattered because <laughs> did you not see our performances after Brentford? So, yeah. yeah, I don't think it would have really, really mattered at the end of it. And Brentford still on the day are still capable of getting results against decent sides. So we could have played them later on and still only gotten a draw. and We wouldn't necessarily won. So I don't think, I think that kind of is moot. Um, but for me, on the overall point, I think they have to, they have to, there's got to be a finite point where they say this is too much or else it's going to get completely out of hand once again. I think we're already seeing the, the, the first stage of that now anyway. So, uh, And last question from Zander, who says, uh, Shaheen, can you truly be a supporter if you celebrate opposition goals in the hope that it is one step closer to the manager being sacked? Why did you have to put that on my doorstep? <laughs> I it just came up. It was the one I saw in the chat. That's all I saw. Uh, no is the answer. Um, Do you want a different question? <laughs> no, I just... I, I don't... I, I'm not a fan of Mikel Arteta, right? Mm. I think he's not good enough for Arsenal Football Club. And in long term, 
long term, right? I don't think he's the one that is going to get us to where we need to be. But I never uh, come on and say, I hope we get battered or I hope we lose in order for him to get sacked. Because at the end of the day, the bigger picture, because us, Miko Arteta is not the, the biggest thing here. The, the biggest thing in this equation is Arsenal Football Club, right? And and I never want my club to lose. I want my club to win regardless of who the manager is, right? If Miko Arteta is winning games, right, I'm not going to come and if, if I, regardless of my feelings for him, mm. but, and I don't, it's not personal. I, I don't personally dislike the guy as oh, he's this, is that he needs to go. No, it's just that from what I've seen of him, I don't think he's good enough. Now, if he's to, to get, get us Champions League football, get us competing for the league, I'm not going to come and sit here and keep saying he, he needs to go, he needs to go. And I never um, like, or I never approve, I don't want to hear people saying, I want Arsenal to lose in order for the manager to get sacked. Because I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't go as far as saying you're not really a true supporter and this and that, because everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's the way they see this. And, and that's what they feel needs to happen in order for manager to go. But I just think wishing my club to lose for me is not something I would do or I, I want to see anybody do it. Zander, thank you for your question. Uh, and thank you to everybody for the question. Sorry, we've only been able to go through a few of those. Uh, we are pushed for time today because, uh, yeah, it's just a lot going on in the world of, of my life. <laughs> it's just the way I was going to put that sentence. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, in the chat box. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you are indeed new and show some love to my fantastic panel of guests today. French, always an absolute pleasure. Give yourself and your very controversial podcast a shout out it was always <laughs> yeah all right um thanks man yeah it's good to be on um so the podcast mentioned is uh the date detective agency we are recording a pilot for the radio by the way so uh for the genuine radio that's amazing yeah, yeah. awesome like it. it's obviously going to be massively toned down and censored but yeah just so a little <laughs> um so the date detective agency if you go on my twitter then you'll find a lot of video clips from there thanks very much man please do at French Guna 23 you can find all of it there uh, and you know if you're struggling in your relationship maybe French can give you some help um, <laughs> Drew thank you so much mate for returning I'll see you next weekend as well as you join myself John and Owen uh, getting the writers crew back together for the next show but thanks as always mate and give yourself uh, and Yammer a shout out as well as always yeah no thanks for having me back on I know it's been I don't know how many months um, I, I was predisposed, predisposed with life and I know you understand that so um, yeah, I mean, you can find me at Yama at 101, um, get German football, modern footballer, plenty of places. I'm also starting to do more freelance coverage of Belgian football because there's not enough coverage of Belgian football in the English-speaking world. So look for more of that moving forward. So if you have any questions, just let me know. And of course, you can find me at Logic Lair on Twitter. And thanks for having me back. Absolutely, mate. Pleasure to have you back. And Shaheen, for a second show, always an absolute pleasure to have you on. I look forward to Likewise. speaking to you on Monday evening, yeah. uh, as always with Mo and, and Lev. And of course, you're going to be doing shows between now and then, so give them a shout out, mate. Yeah, um, we're going to actually do a show in about 10 minutes over an Arsenal lounge. So if you guys are interested, come over and, and, and speak to me and Lev. But um, it's always a pleasure doing stuff with you, Tom. And uh, thanks for having me on again. And yeah, we do Monday nights, me, you, uh, Mo and Lev, 8 o'clock. So, yeah. That's it. 
Lovely stuff. Thank you so much, Shane. Always appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see Lev on the channel uh, very, very soon. I know he was very keen before drinking ridiculous amounts. He needs to uh, self quarantine for going You can't blame the man. It was a great victory last night, as uh, I'm sure plenty of people who went to the game enjoyed themselves. Thank you so much for tuning in, people. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for the next show. And of course, we'll be previewing the Leeds game with some of the members and after of which we'll have a reaction. And of course, also the podcast where Drew, as I say, will be returning with John and Owen. See you very, very soon, guys. Have a fantastic evening. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.